This is Nova Church Halifax, where we love God and love people. Tune in as Pastor Mike Miller teaches from God's Word and how we can have a Nova life, a new life. Hey, it's so great to be in church this morning. If you don't know me, my name's Matt. I'm part of the Dream Team here. I'm very honored to be able to bring the Word. And we're starting week two. We're continuing week two of our series called The Kingdom. And uh, last week, if you missed it, you need to go get on the podcast and you need to listen to that message. Pastor Mike, man, he brought it down uh, last week. And so I'm going to be continuing on. We're going to be talking week two of the Kingdom series. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew 13 and we're going to be starting there. Matthew 13. You know, you're going to find out pretty quickly at Nova that we are a, we're a Bible church Uh, We're one of those churches that just really loves to read the Word of God. We believe that it's more than just a book. You know, sometimes there's the temptation to think that this is just a book, but we actually believe that God inspired every word in this book, that God, uh, that it's authoritative, that it speaks to our today, that it is relevant, not just relevant, but maybe even more needed than ever today in our city and in our country. And so we take time every week to turn to the Bible. If you don't have one, It's going to come up on the screen behind me, but we're going to start in verse 44. Uh, Jesus is teaching his disciples. He's got a crowd around him, and he's telling parables, which are stories, uh, to help people try to understand the kingdom. And this is one of the parables down here. These are two of the shorter ones, but I think that they're actually really potent, like, like blue cheese kind of potent, like just gets in you, and you're like, oh, man, that is strong. So let's read it together. The kingdom of heaven... Is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. I mean, that just seems like a bad investment, right? You're like, wait a minute, you you sold everything you had for one thing? Man, okay, all right. And again, look, Jesus just continues. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And you're like, what? When he found one of great value. He went away and sold everything he had again and bought it. Sold everything he had. Two stories where two people sell everything that they have, leave everything else behind in order to acquire the treasure that they found. Would you pray with me this morning as we unpack this scripture? And I want to title this message this morning, Citizenship. So would you pray with me this morning and ask God to speak to us? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active. We thank you that it is powerful. God, we pray right now that as we open this word, that you would speak to us. God, more than anything, we need a word from you. We need to hear from you. And so, God, we ask that you would speak in this place. God, we ask that you would reveal yourself to people, that my words would fall to the floor and that your words would be heard and understood. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I just have a question before we get started this morning, and you're going to hopefully laugh. Um, Has anyone ever heard the term Fozzie before? Show of hands. All right, well, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. So I went to college in Australia. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I like rubbing it in when it starts getting cold. So I went to college in Australia, and um, all the time that we had, it was like an international college. So we had students from 63 different nations when I was there. You can imagine that there were a lot of cultures that came together. And of course, people, like there's a lot of good things about Australian culture, right? The beach, it never snows. Uh, they have a great coffee scene. That's why I'm so into coffee. Uh, they kind of have a cool fashion scene. And what would happen inevitably every single year uh, is that there would be college students who showed up and then just really, really wanted to be Australian. 
They really wanted to embrace the Australian culture, right? Um, we, we sometimes call these people posers um, in certain circles of the world. Um, but pretty much what would happen, I knew this one guy, and he was from Newfoundland, of all places, right? Yeah, God is moving in the world. And so he showed up, and he, he comes to college, and he shows up first day of school. He's got skate shoes on. He's got cargo shorts. You know, he's wearing the To Write Love on Her Arms hoodie. He's got a faux hawk. And then, like, one week later, I kid you not, he's gotten his hair all high and tight, faded up. He's got it parted to the side. He's wearing a button-down shirt, buttoned all the way up, skinny jeans, dress shoes. And he's, like, at a cafe, and, like, all of a sudden, God has just blessed him with an Australian accent. He's like, yeah, g'day, mate. Hey, um, how you going? Can I just get like a flat white? Um, or like, what's your cappuccino like? And you're like, dude, you're from Newfoundland. Like, where is this accent? Have some self-respect, right? It was, it was crazy. And so that's what a Fozzie is. Fake Aussie culture, fake Aussie, Fozzie. Now, Australians do this thing where they go, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And all the Australians would go, oi, 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 right? So it'd be like, Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. And so what we would do to just mess around with first-year college students is we go, Fozzie, 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 and they go, oi, 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 and you're like, ah, we got you all, right? But it was like this strange phenomenon that would happen. And I had this one friend, and uh, she was, I don't want to be mean, but she was a little slow on the uptake on a couple things, all right? She, she didn't know that Mexico was below the United States. She thought it was above. And we're like, that's Canada. She's like, no, no, Canada's a state. And we're like, no, it's not, all right? You can guess where she was from. I'm not going to say. But, um, but so she, she was a Fozzie, all right? It took maybe two weeks for her to throw out her entire wardrobe and get a new one. And one of those giant hats. It always has a giant hat when it's a girl. And so one day, she got bit by a spider. Now, um, in Australia, that's really not good. But luckily, it was just the kind that causes flesh-eating disease, not the kind that causes cardiac arrest. So, you know, two or three days later, it's swelling, it's getting worse, it's turning black, and we're like, it's, it's time. It's time to go to the hospital or doctor. And on the way, I was like, hey, do you have, do you have health care? And she was like, yeah, of course. And we're like, okay, great. So we get in, she does the thing, gets the treatment, has to do some gross stuff. And then leaving, the receptionist goes, all right, there's your bill. And she's like, Oh, no, no, it's, uh, it's covered. And she was like, uh, no. And she's like, hello, this is Australia. You have universal health care. And she's like, yeah, do you have a Medicare card? And she's like, no. How do I get one? She's like, are you Australian? And she was like, no. So $250 later, she learned an important lesson that sometimes... In order to benefit from a kingdom, you need to be a citizen of that kingdom. And you see, this is the kind of thing that applies very easily for us in the kingdom. I mean, how many people, if I were to just, you know, show of hands in this room, you're like, I want to be a bitter person, just really cynical. I want to get to 75 and everybody doesn't like me, you know? I'm just one of those people, I feel discontent, I just feel depressed, I just don't like my life, and I make you not like your life either. How many people are like, oh, that's my ideal vision for my life. Yeah, not anyone, right? Because that's crazy. And if that's you, let's talk afterwards. But the reality is this, that I think probably the majority of us in this room, when Pastor Mike is talking last week about kingdom, when Pastor Mike is talking about the kind of life that we have in Jesus, the kind of life that he offers us, when we hear about the abundant life that we can have and we can know in Jesus, we're like, man, sign me up. 
That sounds amazing. But what we sometimes don't realize is that that is something for citizens of the kingdom. You see, sometimes we can kind of get into a mindset that if I show up at church, if I just kind of hang out with the right people, then, then I'm going to be a citizen. But actually, you might just be a Fozzie or a Fittison. No, <laughs> stick with Fozzie. But the reality is this, that sometimes you need to be a part of a kingdom. You need to be a citizen of a kingdom to reap the benefits of that kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. You can still experience a lot of benefits when you're not a citizen. If you come to church, we're going to get you some Nova merch, all right? You might talk a little bit differently. People are going to pray for you. You're going to feel a sense of community. And you may be like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm one of those citizens. But when it comes to the deeper things of God, when it comes to the deeper things that the kingdom has to offer, you may be going, why isn't it taking root in, in my life? I don't understand because I've been coming to church for six months, and sometimes you hear this from people. They're like, yeah, I think I'm done with church because I tried it for three months, and it didn't really work. And you're kind of going, well, hold on a second. Were you a citizen of the kingdom? Or did you show up at the clinic and go, what do you mean you don't have universal health care? What do you mean this doesn't just apply to me automatically? And when we look at this verse, when we look at this passage that Jesus gave us, this parable, there is a price attached to the treasure. Now, let me just ask you a question, and we're going to read it again. So, Jeremy, if you want to bring that back up again, we're going to read it again together. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, he went and sold all that he had. Notice that it was joyful for him. Now, what does that tell you about the treasure that he found? That it was more valuable than what he had. You see, we come into this place and we, we always are like, hey, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, if you want to come to know Jesus, you want to accept him into your life, there's a cost attached to it. And sometimes we're like, no, 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 let's not, whoa, hold on a second. I thought the kingdom was for everyone, Matt. Well, let me just be very clear. The kingdom is for absolutely everyone. You were made to be a citizen of God's kingdom. You were made to be in relationship with him. I believe that it is the only way that you can experience fulfillment and purpose and meaning for your today and purpose for your tomorrow and a vision for your future. I believe that the only way that you can do that is by being a citizen of the kingdom of God. But what that actually means is that we sell everything to acquire the kingdom. We leave things behind to acquire the kingdom. You see, it's not the same thing to just show up at church. We believe that the church is the means that God reveals the kingdom of God, but it is not the kingdom in and of itself. Because when we, when we take God out of the equation, when we can show up and have a social club, where we have a coffee, we say hi to some people, we sing some songs, and then we walk away. But when the kingdom of God is here, when we are engaging with the presence of God, when we are asking God's kingdom to come, it's powerful. It changes things. It changes the atmosphere of us in our own personal lives, in our family, and our city. That's what we're here for, church. That's what we're trying to do. You see, one of the most famous passages of Scripture ever, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We know this passage well because we've heard it almost everywhere. And the beauty of this passage is that it's for everybody. It's for everybody. In John 10, 10, Jesus says that he came to give us life and give us life abundantly. There is no limit to who can be a citizen in God's kingdom. 
But in order to come into the kingdom, we need to become citizens. Anybody can be a citizen. We just need to accept it. When Jesus came onto this earth, and this is what's so incredible, is that Jesus came and walked among us. He showed us how to be kingdom citizens. He taught us how to be kingdom citizens. And then, because we still had distance between us and God, he went to a cross in order that we could become kingdom citizens. He did all of the work for us. I am not advocating this morning that there is some work that you need to do to become a kingdom citizen. I'm not saying you need to become a better person. I'm not saying that you need to be the kind of person that comes into this place with all your stuff figured out. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is that we go, yes, Lord, when he says, do you want to follow me? The invitation of Jesus is come and follow me. Come, lay down your life. Come, pick up your cross, and I will give you abundant life. What we're saying this morning is, will you follow him? Will you be a citizen of his kingdom? It is closed off to no one. But there is a cost. The cost of the kingdom. The person who finds the treasure in the field says everything they have. The merchant who finds the pearl sells everything that they have. Can I ask you, what is the value of what they found? It was greater than what they had. And so this morning, I I just have two very quick points for you that illustrate the cost of the kingdom. The first thing in order to become a citizen of the kingdom, is we need to be submitted to lordship. Submitted to lordship. Now, this is the kind of thing, a very famous passage of scripture, Romans 10, 9 to 10, where the apostle Paul says that if you confess that Jesus is Lord with your mouth and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Now, we hear that passage and we're like, great, yeah, Jesus Jesus is Lord, of course. But we need to understand something of the context of Paul's day. See, back in the day that Paul was writing this, a lord was not just like a duke or or some title that means nothing to him. A lord was the ultimate supreme authority that you lived your life for, went to work for, paid your taxes to, served with everything that you had. Your life was all about that lord. You were serving them. They were the person who protected you, who provided for you, who made sure that you weren't being attacked by other armies or other nations. They were your whole protection and provision and your, who you were serving. Caesar, in Paul's day, was Lord. If you didn't say that Caesar was Lord, you were in active rebellion. So for Paul to say to a bunch of Romans in Rome, whose Lord was supposed to be Caesar, if you will say out loud, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. See, it wasn't just a prayer that we kind of can just say, oh yeah, Jesus, you're Lord, with no meaning attached to it. What this was was, are you willing to rebel against the kingdom? Are you willing to denounce the kingdom that you are currently serving and serve the God of heaven, whose name is Jesus? The invitation was to actually go into active rebellion and say, I'm not with Caesar anymore. He is not my Lord. I am not serving him. I am serving Jesus. This would have put your life on the line. This would have been an act of treason. See, in this place, at the end of the service, we're going to take time and we're going to, we're going to pray that prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer, the RCMP is not going to kick in the door and go, you have betrayed Justin Trudeau. Because <laughs> he's not our Lord. But what it still means is that we have a commitment where we give our lives to it. See, we need to assign some value and meaning to the title of Lord. What that actually means is that 
all of our life, all of our breath, everything that we do is to serve him. Everything that we do is to serve the name of Jesus and glorify the name of Jesus. Whether it be going down to the Dominican, whether it be coming to a relationship seminar to grow your relationships in your life, whether it be coming into church in this place, whether it be spending time in prayer, it is all for the name of Jesus. What it also means is that we place our trust and our hope in him to be our source of provision, to be our protection, to trust in him to meet all of our needs. That's why this person can sell everything they have because they know that the treasure is sufficient to meet their need. And when we come into this place, sometimes we have a lordship problem. Sometimes I have a lordship problem. If we're being really honest, sometimes we can struggle with this. Because if being a citizen means committing your life to Jesus and his lordship, what else do we sometimes commit our lives to? You see, we live in a culture that is asking for us to serve it. And so sometimes we can be like, you know what, I like this idea of the kingdom. You know, Jesus, I like all of that, like, love thy neighbor stuff. I like how you, like, sit down with sinners, and I definitely like how you forgive me. But, um, you know, sexual ethic and, like, the way that you talk about money and, like, you know, some of the things that you do, um, you know, forgiving people that have wronged you, I'm not so sure about that. And we create our own DIY faith where we're like, oh, no, 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 I'm a Christian. Of course I serve Jesus in these areas. We just don't talk about these ones over here. I'm not going to submit that. And sometimes culture is still our Lord. We're serving the culture around us, and we say things like, come on, it's, it's 2019, all right? Come on, Jesus understands. But he's our Lord. And through his word, he has revealed the way that we're supposed to be following him. Or maybe you're like, you know what, I'm a, I'm a good dad and a good, good you know, father, a good husband. And Lord, I will follow you in your commandments. I, I will not cheat on my wife. I will, but you know, God, I just, it's so busy that I can't rest. That's not for me. I'm just, you know, because if I don't work 80 hours a week, how am I going to provide for my family? You know, and by the way, um, tithing, <laughs> that's not my area. So you have all of this stuff, um, but, but not this. And there are things that we hold back from God. Maybe finances could be our Lord. You know, Jesus says that you can't serve two masters. You're going to love one and hate the other. You cannot serve God and money. And this isn't about guilt in this place. I'm just seriously asking the question, what do we sometimes give lordship to? Because sometimes when we're going about our daily lives, we experience the kingdom in now and not yet. You see, when Jesus came, he said the kingdom of heaven is here now. But he also said, pray for the kingdom to come. And sometimes as we're going about our daily lives, we experience the fullness of God and we're like, that was amazing. That was incredible. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you that I'm in relationship with you. And yet at the same time, why do kids get cancer? And yet at the same time, why am I having a hard time paying my bills? And yet at the same time, why do I feel lonely and isolated by myself? Because the kingdom is now and not yet. The challenge for us becomes trusting in the lordship of Jesus to supply our every need. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about if we seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these things will be added to us. He says that he's going to take care of every provision. He's going to take care of every need. And sometimes we're like, good, I'm going to trust in that for one month. And if you're not ready, Jesus, I'm going to the bar and I'm finding my husband. 
you know, you know, God, I trust you entirely, except when my bills are too high. And then I'm sorry, but I'm not tithing. I'm just not doing that. And, and the reality is that it is challenging to follow Jesus. But what he is asking us for is our old passport. Whatever it was that we were serving before, whatever it was that we called Lord before, when we come to relationship with Jesus, he says, I don't want, I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to stop being a citizen of that kingdom. Come into my kingdom. My kingdom's all about life. My kingdom's all about giving you abundance. That's just robbing you blind. So give me that old passport. You don't, you don't need that anymore. But sometimes we're like, oh, but I don't trust you for that. Like, can I just hang on to this? And I need you to hear me this morning, church. I'm not saying that God can't handle your sin. I'm not saying that God can't handle old habits or the accent that you bring with you into the new kingdom. See, the reality of what God does, that what Jesus did on the cross, when we say you are Lord, is he goes, boom, citizenship change right now. You're now part of the kingdom of heaven. And then we're like, great. And we walk out of here and we start sinning again. And it's not like Jesus is like, damn it, citizenship revoked, get out. No, he already knew what you did. He already paid for it on the cross. It's taken care of. But sometimes when we come with our accent or when we come with our habits from the old kingdom, God's like, we, we can deal with that, but you need to leave that old passport behind. You need to stop letting that be Lord of your life. And even sometimes when Jesus is, you're walking with Jesus, you're in relationship with Jesus, and you kind of have found yourself walking back, and you're like, oh, that's so weird. <laughs> I got my old passport back, and I'm letting it be Lord of my life again. Jesus is like, okay, just, let's just throw it away. Jesus isn't like, I can't believe it. I'm so offended. You're done. That's not how Jesus works. The reason that Jesus wants to be Lord of your life in fullness is so that you can step into the fullness of God's promise. He's not doing it because he's vindictive. He's doing it because the things of this world are actually killing us. They're not leading us into freedom. They're leading us into bondage. They're not leading us into joy. They're leading us into suffering. And what he is saying is trade in that old way of living and start to live the way that I have for you in the kingdom. We don't need to DIY our faith because he already gave us a way to live. The reality is if you're looking for the perfect citizen of heaven, it's, it's Jesus. But living like Jesus is hard, right? I mean, anyone here being perfect this week? Or you're like, oh, I haven't done anything wrong. Absolutely not. Because that's almost impossible. But the call on citizens or another way to say it is disciples, is to make Jesus Lord in every area of your life, to take your old passport and hand it in to him for him to deal with. You know, here's the thing about Jesus. He's so patient with us. If I were to become Australian today, let's just say that I apply and I become an Australian today, they give me an Australian passport and I denounce Canada. I'm just like, you're done, right? I hate snow. Guess what I'm still gonna have when I get to Australia? I'm still gonna have my accent. I'm still going to say the most ran out of the house down south. And they're going to be like, you talk very odd. When I bump into someone or they bump into me more, more specifically, I'm still going to apologize to them because I'm Canadian. And I bring with me my accent and the culture that I came from. The truth is this, that if you came into this place and you feel like you're at the end of your rope, citizenship, citizenship can still be given to you today. You can say, God, I, you know what? I've had enough. I'm going to turn this over to you. And I may still mess up because my accent's still bad. And I may still make mistakes because the culture I came from really has me. But the good thing is that when God says, yeah, but I'm your Lord now, so I'm going to take care of it. 
He's actually going to take care of it. You see, one of the marks of citizenship, the first thing is that we submit to lordship, but the second thing is that we commit to transformation. We commit to transformation. You know, when I first started going to college, I did not have an Australian accent. And it's funny because I'm making fun of this guy who is drinking a flat white in his collared shirt buttoned up all the way in skinny jeans and dress shoes. And as you can see, But it took me three years, okay? It took me more time. The reality, though, is that when you're around something long enough, you start to emulate that thing. If it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it could be a goose, you know, in fairness. Oh, that was good. That was a pity laugh. Thank you. But the reality is this, that just because you start to emulate culture does not mean that you're a citizen. Just because you got the Nova hoodie, just because you can come into this place and lift your hands for 2.5 songs, just because you can sing most of the words, does not mean that you are actually a citizen. First, it takes lordship, but secondly, it takes transformation. It takes transformation. You know, in in, uh, Matthew 7, as Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount, he says something which is both impressive and disturbing, is both encouraging and disturbing, which he says, That if you will take my words and put them into action, you will be like a wise builder who built his house on a rock. But if you hear my words and do nothing, you are like a foolish builder that's built their house on the sand. And when the wind came and the rain came and the storm came, their house was destroyed. But the house on the rock stood firm. The reality of living for Jesus and transformation is that you kind of determine the pace of your transformation. Now, I'm not advocating for works in this place, but what I am saying is that God enters into a partnership with us for our own transformation. God actually asks us to change for him, and that can be through various things. could be through spiritual disciplines. could be waking up and praying. could be reading your Bible. We're actually doing a spiritual discipline right now by gathering together as the saints to encourage each other. That encourages transformation. The longer that I spent in Australia, the more I started to look like this. The more I started to like coffee. And when I came home, people were like, you have a weird accent now. It's just confused. And I was like, I'm a Fozzie. It's it's wrong. But the truth is that we can accelerate our transformation by pressing into Jesus. I want to just share this verse with you. It's in Romans 12. And it's going to come up on the screen behind me as well says this, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Don't make it your Lord. Don't let it rule your life. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. See, when you become a citizen, when you step in a relationship with God, those habits come with you. That accent comes with you. But God offers transformation so that they can be done. And the longer you spend in relationship with Jesus, the more that we come together as the church, the more that we spend time in prayer, the more that we read our Bible, the more that we understand who God is, the more that we abide in Jesus the more that our accent disappears, the more that those old cultures come off of our life. You know, the reality is that there's some of you in here, some of me as well, 
that you need to be set free. Maybe there's things on your life that have been dragging you down. Maybe there's old habits and an old accent that you're like, I'm, I'm just so tired of that. I don't want that anymore. There's hope for you today. Jesus can help you deal with it. We've heard several stories in the past couple weeks about people who were so addicted to substance that it was ruining their life, and they were set free by the power of Jesus. And a lot of hard work, but the power of Jesus as well. Your transformation is partly your responsibility. But here's the amazing thing, that when we come to God when we offer ourselves to him, when we say, you are my Lord and I need you to change me, I need you to transform me, I need you to make me a new creation, he does most of the work for us. And sometimes we make it seem as if when we, when we come into this place, like we just need to work really hard. We just need to get better. We just need to raise our hands for three songs, not just two. You know, if I just pray harder, if I just do more, if I just open my Bible more, then that is going to be the thing that helps set me free. I don't want to look at that thing on my computer anymore. I don't want to talk to my kids that way. I don't want to talk to my spouse that way. I don't want to gossip anymore. It's actually becoming exhausting. I don't want to be the kind of person that's tight-fisted and not generous. I want to be able to bless people. I want to be able to be a kingdom citizen who is changing the world around me. But I'm stuck. There is hope in Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes this in that Greek word for transform. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind is two words, meta and morpho. Meta means changed as a result of being with. Metamorpho together means changed as a result of being with. Being with who? Being with what? Being with God. Church. We have the opportunity to become citizens of heaven. And many of us in this room already are. And maybe there's some stuff in your life, there's a lordship area in your life that you need to surrender to God. Even as I was preaching, you're like, oh yeah, I can see what that is. The challenge is being able to say, God, I, I don't want that to be my Lord. I want you to be my Lord. And then coming before him and going, change me. Make me new. Create in me a new heart. If I could just get everyone just to stand to your feet. We're going to worship in a sec. We're going to sing. We're going to get into the presence of God. And if you need change, if you need transformation, would you be changed as a result of being with? Be changed as a result of being with God. Be changed as a result of being with community. We're here for you. If there are people that, that are struggling silently, don't struggle silently. We're the family of God. We're citizens together. We're here for each other. But you know, if you're in this place and, and maybe you heard last week's message or maybe you're like, man, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm at the end of my rope. Or maybe you're like, I'm fine, but I came to church for the first time and yeah, this is interesting. Can I just tell you that God loves you so much? There's nothing he wouldn't do for you. In fact, he sent his son to come walk on this earth, to show you how to live, to teach you how to live, so that you can walk in freedom and abundance. See, the challenge is that we all have a sin problem, meaning that we sin. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death, that it separates us from God, and it's the kind of thing that we can't make up for with good behavior, it's the kind of thing that we can't make up for with good deeds. But Jesus, 
carried our sin to the cross and paid for it forever. So if you're in this place and you're like, I want that abundant life, I want that new life, just with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're tired of living your own way because it's not working and you want to live a new life, an abundant life, you want to step into the fullness of relationship with God, you want to become a citizen of heaven in this place today, would you just, with no one looking around, just raise your hand high enough, long enough for me to see it? Yeah, I see that hand, I see that hand, I see that hand. Anyone else in this place? Yeah. Come on. Well, let's just pray this together, church. Remembering what Lord means, let's pray this together. And if I get the worship team, pray it too. Dear Jesus, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that you came and that you made a way for me. Right now, I leave behind everything else. I pursue the treasure in the field. I pursue the pearl of great price. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. I ask that you would be Lord of my life. And I ask that you would transform me from the inside out. Help me to live anew today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for these people this morning? Hey, look, just real quick, if you prayed that prayer, we're so thrilled for you, first of all. That's the best decision that you can make. I truly believe that there is no life like the life of Jesus. But if that's you uh, and you raise your hands, there's a connect card that you might have got on the way in. If not, you can grab it on the way out. And there's just a little box on there that says, I made a decision for Jesus today. And would you take that and take it to the welcome to church tent outside? The reason being that we just want to connect with you. You may have questions. You may want to be like, how do I start this journey of faith? And we're here for you. But here's the great news. You're now a citizen. And there's nothing in this world that can take that away from you. So come on. Can we give it up for these people again?